Welcome to the If We Knew Then podcast. I'm Stephen Sachs. And I'm Lori Sachs. This holiday season is often called a season of hope. You know, growing up, I always attributed that to Christmas because that's, you know, that's all I knew. The beauty that came from the love that we shift our focus to. All those holiday movies. It's the theme of every holiday movie was hope. It's something that we can begin to expect to feel and when that hope isn't there when that hope is taken away especially around this time of year it can hit pretty hard i think it i think it does hit even harder because around us it seems like the world is full of hope this year i can feel the hope in every cell of my body because of where I'm sitting in this chair next to Stephen at the end of a year that has been so filled with change. But that change was the result of our working and fighting for Liam. And there were a lot of other changes in our life and a lot of other events, but you know, when we, we think about this podcast, I think about this community. And although it is just a part of our life, you know, the fight for education can be all consuming. Uh, it can be devastating. It can feel lonely. And I've just really recently been on a lot of the social media message boards. And I see that the fight for education against injustices and the violation of our children's civil right to an equal education with the supports needed to access their curriculum is still alive and well. I mean, we're still fighting the fight. There are people just beginning this journey in TK and kindergarten that are asking the same questions or getting the same roadblocks put up for their kids that we did eight years ago. And that fight that we had really squashed our hope. I think every step of the way we'd, you know, see what we overcame and knew that it was making us stronger. But every time we had to get back up again, it was harder because you expect at some point for someone to do the right thing. And they never did. And the truth is, is that if someone is showing you who they are, Mm -hmm. and they're not going to change, then we just have to accept that that is the circumstance. Like, we know what it should be. We know what we want. But we have to see the circumstance for what it is. And then we have to support ourselves. We have to give ourselves what we need. We have to know the law. We have to have the supports that we, we need. We need as caregivers, as advocates, we need to have those. We need to prepare ourselves 
with the tools that we have at our hand, and that is the law, and that is uh, that there are advocates out there, you know, just knowing the right words and what to say and holding people accountable, holding them accountable, even though they won't be accountable, you still hold them accountable and filing the reports that we need to file. All of those things that I would have done a little bit differently would be just to stick to those, <laughs> those tools that mm-hmm. I had. File a complaint every time instead of giving them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to change because they would speak the sweetest words to me about how they loved my child and, oh, this is what we're going to try. But with every violation, it's a violation of a legal binding document. So, you know, it's real simple to go online. I should have just went online and filed a complaint and said, they've been told that this is a violation and I just want you to, it's just making people aware so that they can change. I would have done it and not let it taken such a toll on me because I think that it was that want to change somebody that want to change the system that was exhausting because the system was not changing for me. Yeah. I think if I had to go back, I'd I'd try not to stress as much because right when you said, oh, there's people going through the same thing we did eight years ago, the system's not changing as fast as we want to change. I don't know if it's changing at all. I know. I, I was I think being kind it, I, with the no, way I No, I think it's changing it. for the like the way. I, I just don't think it's a focus. I don't think it's something that matters. Um, and, and it is. Like you look back and I just want to say to every person in the school system, in the LAUSD district or any district that, you know, replicates the same kind of callous disregard for our children is take the emotion out of it and make an outline for yourself, know timelines, know what the law says, and that is what you have. So when you have somebody that is in an IEP meeting that tells you, no, I'm not going to support your child that way, I don't really see where it's beneficial, then you say, it's your job to support my child, it's your job to educate my child and to provide the supports for them to access their curriculum. That is my child's right. And if you cannot do that, then you need to provide somebody and pay for somebody who will. That is the law. And you put it in writing and you get it time stamped and you put it in your file. And then you, if, if you don't have their message recorded, then you reiterate it with your letter and then you send that and let that be your complaint to your district and say, this is what I was told. And then the district will reach out to your school and say, did, is this what you told them? And they will go, oh no, that's not what I said. But they can deny it all they want. Then they have to fix it because then it's on file and the district will come back and make sure that it was taken care of. Yeah, that's a good point. When you write a letter and timestamp it for the school or the district, if there's no recording of the communication they gave to you, put that in your letter. Mm-hmm. You told me blah, blah, and you put it in the letter and it's timestamped and there. For yourself to like bookmark it, but also whenever this is seen, then there's a light of what the other side was. And inevitably, if it's something that's profoundly wrong, that person is going to go, oh, maybe you misunderstood me. Of course. And yes. they're going to they're gonna, they're, they're gonna be forced to do the right thing. Yeah. And that is a beautiful thing to see. We actually had the woman who tried to pull him illegally off curriculum sit across from us and, and tell us, oh, I never said that. And I was like, mm, no, I recorded that IEP. Yeah, we had it recorded. You, you most certainly did. But to go back to your point of, you know, change is, is slow. 
and if we accept that, but know that change is happening. I know we said it doesn't feel like much has changed in our particular district, but <laughs> worldwide Sorry, we can say, hey, there is change. And that's part of hope, you know, but to know that that's across the board change is slow. We were just watching the birdcage last night and just the idea of two men as parents and how they are accepted in the world is one of the focal points of that movie 30 years ago, 25 years ago, whatever. And it's just as debated and controversial as it ever was. And so there are still some places where, you know, I think people would still have that same experience that's in that movie, yeah, you know, where so. they have to hide who they are and change who they are. And so, yeah, change can be slow, and, but that's not an excuse, <laughs> but that's not an excuse and it doesn't make it right. Uh, on our journey, I think what happened along the way is the fact that either change was slow or non-existent in the school system. I let that beat me down. But where change was constant was in my life and in my home and in my child. Mm -hmm. And the truth of the matter is, I mean, we are out of that elementary school. We are out of Carpenter Community Charter. Uh, we are out of the LAUSD district right now. And what I am happy for is that we never stopped doing the work. We never stopped supporting our child. We never stopped educating him, helping him to reach his goals. And and also, I think our voice standing in really the law, and we did hire a lawyer every time we went into an IEP, which I know that that is not something everybody can afford. And, and honestly, it would be, it was very frustrating that we had to do that, but we knew we had to do that. And even though our fight didn't really change anything, we ended up having to pull him from the school. We ended up having his actual right to an education completely violated. So it didn't change them at all. But what it did, our constant voice and recording and reminding of the law, all of that, what it did was it, it gave us a foundation. It gave Liam a foundation. And even though the support was slow and often inadequate or did not reach the bar, it was there. So it wasn't completely eliminated. And then we had a foundation to grow on in the education system. But also that foundation is there for our child because he is going to, he's in middle school, he's going to go to high school. If he wants to, he's going to go to college. And that foundation is there. So they couldn't take that so know that they are not the end-all be-all. The roadblocks that they put up is this like defunct, broken system that is based in archaic beliefs of people with disabilities. And it's fiscally motivated and reliant upon the fact that we don't have it within us to continue the fight. And don't judge whatever you do. Don't think that you have to, whatever you're doing is enough. Well, you're, you're doing, you're, you're being showing the up. change you want you to see are in being, the world. Yeah, you're right? being the change you want to see in the world. You're being it. I think eventually what will happen is the law will come down and they will be mandated to change. So what I would have done differently in that journey, because it, it really took its toll on me, is I would have just stood in in what is on my side, and that is the law. And I wouldn't have given them so much them personally of me i think we stayed there so long because we wanted to change the school yeah and we didn't yeah i don't that was <laughs> no we didn't and that and can be heartbreaking because yeah. you know it's like like we've done this graduation or the 
like even speaking of the holiday season, that Christmas concert. Last year. Yeah. yeah. When you think, well, I think about, I was thinking about, and this is what sparked what I thought we needed to have our message today be a season of hope because last year at this time when Liam was supposed to participate in a holiday concert and it was at the end of COVID and it was going to mark his return to this horrible carpenter. And, but the reason I wanted him to return that week is because they had that holiday concert that we spoke about and I wanted him to participate because he had been out of school in COVID for two years, but also because, you know, that whole year, last year, school year from August to December, he received no supports. He received no education. And for as much as I say it was for Liam, it was for us. We wanted to get Liam to perform in that stupid holiday concert (laughs) because of what he had been through with COVID and because, you know, Sophia had done it for, you know, from kindergarten to fifth grade. Yeah. It's kind of a caption or it's a, it's a photo of that grade level when you see, you know, the first day of school, the holiday concert concert, and, you know, the last day of school. So it was kind of like, oh, this verifies that he was in this grade level with his peers type of thing. And, you know, you say that, but the, and the truth is, is that, and this is what gets social media so much. And, and Stephen will always <laughs> remind me, we always photograph when you're, yeah. I'm not putting the pictures up of me, like the, the worst photos. Nobody's like, doing crying, the worst photos. <laughs> crying in the car. Like, oh my gosh. <laughs> like after whatever, like I can, I can name many challenging moments that I don't photograph and post to social media. Yeah. We're in a social media age where we're like, I want this moment to post. Yeah, this yeah. Is, and But we do that because then, I look back and that's the memory I have. And I think that I thought that if he was in that holiday concert, I would look back. And when I looked back at fifth grade, yeah, I'd remember COVID. Yeah, I'd remember that they've completely violated his civil right to an education. But I'd see a picture of Liam in a cute suit or a holiday shirt with a bell in his hand. And I'd probably get like a little bit of a video with him singing. And that would be what I held on to. Just like Barbara Streisand's song, Memories that we hold on to the good stuff. That's we try what, to force we, that memory. Like We did. Right. At that moment in time, I needed it so profoundly. I needed to see that Liam was doing the same thing that Sophia had done in the fifth grade. And anytime that I can link them, anytime that we link them, that makes us feel like Liam is being included and accepted. And we were trying to force hope. We were trying to create hope. We so desperately needed hope and to be hopeful because we were at, we were at the end. We were at the bottom of the bucket. We had become hopeless. And if there was a moment of beauty, of peace and song and bells, then maybe, just maybe hope would be there at that school, in that situation, even if it was just a glimmer, (laughs) the slightest twinkling glimmer, there would be a light. He's like lipstick on a pig though. (laughs) (laughs) Right. No, we, I know that. I know that, but I needed the lipstick. I needed (laughs) the lipstick. I, I want, I needed hope to show its face somewhere. 
between that bell that the teacher had sent home saying, thank your teacher, you're lucky that she included Liam. I mean, that was a letter. That was the letter sent home with the bell. They were relentless. You're lucky your child is included. No, because you don't say that to any other child, but for some reason, this is a note that you send me. (laughs) You're lucky your child is being included. But if instead of that note, I could remember him ringing that bell, Mm -hmm. then it would be worth it. Somewhere, it would make it worth it. It would be that thing that I'm talking about. Because in the... Hope lies in the voice of children singing because children represent hope. Children represent the future and a future of possibility. And I wanted that because for years it had been squeezed out of us and we fought and we fought and we fought and we knew inside. I knew that I was empty. I was against the ropes. And if I didn't get some kind of second wind, something that would give me strength, the fight would be over and they would have won. But the thing is, is on December 9th, which is when Liam was supposed to be returning back to school last year, and I got a phone call saying, oops, we accidentally took his behavioral supports out of the IEP. And you can go back and listen to that episode, but... Not a good call. It it was, that was the pinnacle of the hot mess of the IEP where they told us that denying him his education had been because they wanted to keep their job. Uh, So it's a bunch of stuff in that sentence. And please just sign this IEP you just sat through. Don't even read it. Just sign it so we can get the supports put back in. And the truth is they couldn't because they had irrevocably removed them to a point that it was a whole process that now had to take place. So on December 9th, I sat in my car crying after that horrible IEP as I was doing the work to try to prepare him to go back to school because they called and said, oopsie, we, uh, and I forget what their their terminology was, like with no malice, took out his BID. Mm -hmm. I mean, how do you even say that sentence with a straight face? No ill will that we took out his supports and just this. But just le- sign this and trust that it's yeah, going to Yeah, just pop sign back this and trust us. And then when, we read it and it was a hot mess. When you go back to school, it'll just, it'll just come back. It's but like, I what? remember sitting in the car crying and it was one of those helpless cries where you're sitting there going, you need to do this. And they're like, well, we can't do this. You need to do this. And they put it back on me. And I was like, I, like all of a sudden it was my problem, but it was an irrevocable problem. And it was something that was not going to get remedied. And it was here I was again after we had done all of these things, after we had endured all of this stuff, and we were trying to get Liam to go back to school to be in that stupid concert, then they were like, oopsie, because they don't care. (laughs) And I was bawling. I was nauseous, bawling. My face was numb. My arm was numb. Uh, I lost my appetite crying in my car, hopeless and helpless, like just hopeless because there's nothing you can do. And you should never feel that way when it comes to something that is your child's right. They should never make you feel that way. That's what I would change if I knew then a year ago. But I didn't. And I was crying. And I was hopeless to the point that, you know, then we just said, all right, we're going to take him out. He's done. He's done there. You've done your damage. We're done. And that felt hopeless because it was like, I'm giving up. I'm walking away. 
And the reason why it's a season of hope is because one year to the day that I was crying in my car, Liam went to his first dance in a gym, in an inclusive environment, around his peers, at his new school. And he danced to Taylor Swift and had some snacks. And afterwards, we went to Starbucks and nobody cried. <laughs> I mean, I cried a little tear of joy like, like I'm doing right now, just thinking about how beautiful it was. But when I think back one year ago, and, I, and, and honestly, when I thought about it, it, kind, it was like, oh my gosh, that was just a year ago. Mm. Like it, was, it felt so far away. And when we left at the time, it felt like we had given up or given in. Like there was a part of, and it was my ego, I think, there was a part of me that was like, they won. We're out. They are successfully becoming a non-inclusive environment. They did it. They won. They got their way. And who cares? Really? They can figure out how to sleep at night. I've learned that's not where my focus should be. And honestly, any moment that I spend with that as my focus is taking away my focus from my life, is taking away my focus from my journey and what we're doing and how we support. And honestly, our life isn't all the education system. There's so many other things we can be doing. If, we, if I put all my moments in front of me, every moment that I hand to something that is toxic, that is immovable, I could instead put it in a different area of my life that I actually supports and nurtures my intention for my life, what I want for my life. So looking back, I can say, moving forward, I know those moments I can't get back, but those moments I won't squander again. Because it wasn't that I was giving up or giving in. Now, here, with hindsight, I see it as it was an escape to freedom. And in that freedom, we were able to breathe and to take account of our injuries to the trust and the hope that we <laughs> lost and that was damaged and it was battered and beaten and we were battered and beaten and our spirits and everything in that space, when we stepped out of it, we were able to allow ourselves to heal, to create change where change was possible. And we moved forward in that space. We moved forward. When I realized on December 9th, when I realized it was the anniversary of sitting in my car, that one, the last cry, I think it was the last time I cried over that school. The last cry for many reasons, <laughs> but um, it was the realization. I think it was the realization. Man, I'm I'm slow to the take because it took all that to realize that they were not going to change. Um, that was after two years of COVID. That was after, oh, you know, just everything that went on. And you would think that, gosh, I have you on the record as saying that you denied my child a civil right because you had a job to keep. I have you on the record for so much stuff and you really, and now you're, you're just continuing to do the same thing. And it took that, that was like the, the blow. That was it is that all along we held on to the littlest bit of hope 
And then when they spoke the words, and it was undeniable that they weren't there to support Liam, and they weren't going to. They didn't care about upholding his right to an education. There was no hope. There was nothing because then it would just be us lying to ourselves because they told us point blank. I'm sure they were like, come on, we've showed you. I, I, and now we've told you, you know, it's like being in a really, really bad relationship. It was a really, really bad relationship. I've likened it to a Taylor Swift song <laughs> many times. Like we shouldn't feel the same way. <laughs> about there's so many Taylor Swift songs that we sing in the car and I think I could sing this at an IEP and we shouldn't feel that way about education like going through education with Sophia it it was honestly kind of mindless kind of mindless on my part you know especially elementary school yeah especially elementary school now I did see something on the board uh, uh, and I want to say this just in case this person listens they said uh, that they wanted their child to go to be held back, to go to TK, and should we hold them back, and how do we do that? How do we get our kid in? And to do TK I, twice? TK, instead of going into kindergarten, because you know how TK is like mm -hmm. an option, um, and that the IEP was the IEP team was saying about placement. Here's the thing that I thought of, thought of this morning, but I couldn't find it on the message board. Treat your child's education, just assume it's the same education of if you have other children, they have siblings or neighbors. You want to enroll them in something, enroll them. That's their right to that education. And then when you enroll them, then they can say, oh, you have an IEP. And then you do the IEP. You're not coming from a place of, oh, please, please, can I, can I? No, it's my right to an education. I'm enrolling my child. I'm, or I'm enrolling my child in the lottery. If your child gets picked, then now let's see how we support them. That's the way we should do it moving forward. Not asking for permission from the right. system that... Not, could you handle this? Yeah. And not asking for permission from the system that doesn't want your child there in the first place for the most part, or doesn't believe your child. And I don't mean that in a negative way, even though it sounds negative, but it's not negative when it's reality. You're, they don't see that. And until they see our children as equal, then we must let them know that they are equal. And if we set that tone, like my first IEP where they actually laughed at me and thought it was so sweet that I thought my son was equal... If we set that tone, that's our, at, if it's not their tone, at least it's our tone. And it's a better tone to have than to feel like we and our children are less than. Because that is a horrible thing to feel. And it's not true, but, it, but it's horrible. I hate when I know that someone doesn't see my child as equal. And it used to take a toll on me. And now sometimes it probably does. I can't lie and say it doesn't. But that's their belief, not mine. And if I can, if I can let, let that be my truth, let that be my foundation, where I come from is what's most important in my child's life. Not what they believe, unless they believe my child is equal, unless they believe my child deserves an education, unless they want to explore the ways to support my child, then okay, we'll have a listen. <laughs> I'm in on that. And equal, we talk about equal rights, equal right to life, equal right to education. Well, you know, you, everyone's different, but like equal. Here is the thing that really like brought that home to me and to us is during the pandemic, when the district, uh, first of all, when the pandemic hit and all these kids started to fall behind and the district saw that there was regression and neurotypical students. Oh, they didn't hesitate to make accommodations. First of all, let's take a little bit of like, 
advice from those other parents that haven't been beaten down and they are entitled to an education. They know that it's their child's right. Let's take a few cues from them who began with the emails and they were like, you're not putting up with that. Oh no, you're not supporting my child. You expect me to sit by my child all day and educate them. I have a job to keep. Well, I had been sitting by my child all day since kindergarten because they were trying to pull them off curriculum. But if you take a cue from those parents there was no hesitation and the district responded by making accommodations for those students, by putting supports in for those students. So that shows that we should not hesitate either. We should be confident in our advocacy and take care of our children because there is no doubt that the neurotypical population is taking care of itself. And they set that precedence and then the district met them right? That's what we need to do. I look at getting Liam out of Carpenter Community Charter and the freedom I have now. I wish I could go back and do it again differently. And maybe the differently that I would add to it might change things. Because when you're getting a complaint every other week from the district, That's why they change. That's when they change, not when a parent is just saying, educate my child. You're saying you would have done more complaints? Oh, yeah. I would definitely have. Mm. Instead of going to the office and like expecting them to change on a personal level and... and, Oh, go straight to the... Just go straight to the district. Once they show you who they are, believe them. And that is from Oprah Winfrey. Like years ago, Oprah Winfrey said that on her show. And I was, yes, yes, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. Then you can live an honest relationship with them because we know who we are. I know you're the person who's going to try to deny my child an education. You know I'm the mom that's going to advocate and I'm going to file a complaint every time you violate his civil right. And I guarantee it'll be fewer and fewer complaints because they hate that. They cannot stand being called on it. And and there is, at the highest level, they are accountable. So that's where we need to take them to. I look at this year that Liam has had, beginning with as soon as we pulled him that Tuesday afternoon when you walked in with that letter and pulled him from the school. Mm-hmm. I will remember that the principal looked at you and smiled and was like, hey, how you doing? Because he was oblivious oblivious to the damage that he had done with no accountability just and that transition to citizens of the world this new beautiful inclusive school immediately the care and the fact that they saw our son immediately wanting to make sure that he had the right teacher, that he had the supports he needed. How do we support him in this transition? How do we support him in his classroom? These are the behaviors we're seeing, and we know that it's because he's not been in school for two years. There's no um, prejudice that motivates their actions and the way they see Liam. It's because they look at inclusion from every realm. It's just not like, I think that on this journey, we look at inclusion uh, for our son, an inclusive classroom. Their foundation is inclusion of everyone. 
of everyone. And I think when you come from that place, then it's just what you do. And I look back at this year, you know, when you have a day and then you have a memory and then you think, oh my goodness, what, what seemed so huge in the moment is so small right now because this last year there's been a transition and I'm so far away from it. I haven't cried once. I haven't written a strongly worded letter at all. My letters are now motivated by, oh, this is what I see, or this is a question I have. And I, and it's with how can we work together? Or I'm sure you're already taking care of this. Or I'm curious to see how you're approaching it. And it took me months. And thank goodness that school and <laughs> Liam's BII and his teachers and his resource, Miss Melanie, and all of those beautiful people over at Citizens of the World are patient and understanding with me and honestly horrified at what we have been through. They're horrified. And I think it's their being horrified that makes me go, yeah, we did sustain a lot. And I want you to now know that if you're having to experience what we experienced, it's wrong. It's wrong. And I'm sorry. But these these beautiful people have been so patient at me, uh, at us finding our hope again and our trust, all these things that were taken away, which again should never be the situation when you're talking about elementary school. This shouldn't be the situation. And the fact that our son comes home and talks about science, the fact that on a Friday night, the beginning of his winter break, he went and got his book bag and wanted to write a narrative. And I was the one who was like, oh man, it's been a long day. Can we do it tomorrow? Boo? He was excited. He was so excited. He had his book bag and he was like, come on, let's write our paper. And because he wanted to continue working. And that's why I, I wanted to share a season of hope is that if you were, if you are where we were last year, I want you to know that it can change for the better. This fight is not for naught, even though it feels like it sometimes. The fight is not for naught. You're changing. Your child is changing. You have more power and more influence in your child's life than the school or the district or some closed-minded teacher could ever have. I understand how it feels. If I could do it over, I'd still fight the fight, but I would fight a smarter fight, file complaints, and I wouldn't give all I did of myself and of my soul and of my peace. I would know that the law is on our side, even though they make you believe it's not. Don't let them make you cry. And no, I would not let them make me cry. Because they don't care. And anybody who doesn't care does not deserve your tears. They deserve our guidance to change. 
They deserve our message that their actions and words are inappropriate and most of the time illegal. They deserve our help to accountability because that is the only way that the system changes. When we shine our light on the injustices and we hold a candle to the corners and clear the cobwebs of past beliefs, we do that with our light and with our voice and with our advocacy and with the love that we have for our child. Well, they don't deserve our tears. It's our hope. It's our dreams. You know, those are ours. They don't deserve those either. And we're on the other side of that fight and, and we're finally able to take a breath because, you know, I'll, I'll be honest, for me, I thought that it was too good to be true. It felt like it was too good to be true. It, it began to feel like I was lying to myself, mm -hmm. but I wasn't. A dream isn't a lie. Wanting equality isn't too much to ask for. No. Although again, sometimes they'll make you, they make you think it is, but it's not. So hold on tight to your hopes and dreams for your child. Hold those in your heart. They're yours. Those are yours. And when the school speaks to you, challenge the words that you know are untrue. The law is on your side. Remember that. Don't be afraid to go at your pace. I can't tell you how many times I was rushed. I was, I was made to go to a meeting that they didn't follow their timeline or because I felt like they had so much on their plate. They were like, this is all we can do. But that's not just go at your pace. Ask why. When they say something that doesn't make any sense, ask why. Why do you think that? Ask them to show you. Ask them to tell you. And if they refuse to uphold the law, I used to write a letter that said, and if you cannot do so, please explain to me in writing so that I may file this with the district or so that I may better understand. And then you file it with the district, that little piece of paper that they've, they've written to you. Because I'll also be honest that I'm amazed what they're willing to put in writing and what they're willing to say, even though they know they're being recorded. So ask why and breathe as much as you need to. If you need a breath or a break, take it. Take care of yourself. Ask as many questions of them until everyone understands what is being said. Record every IEP. Put every conversation in writing in your student's file on file. Be diligent in your records. Hold them responsible for their words and actions. Violations of an IEP are violations to a legal binding document. So when they violate, remind them. Our children have rights and another's ignorance or prejudices don't get to take or limit those rights. That is a truth. I have hope for the evolution of society where our children are equal and their rights are upheld. I have hope because I have it now. I have it and all that hope that I had, all that hope that I was dwindling away, that I was losing when I felt hopeless at the end of the day, one year and 10 days ago, 
hopeless, completely hopeless. I felt it. And I took one more breath and got to the other side. So don't give up. Even if your fight changes, even if your advocacy or showing up becomes that I'm just going to breathe and be there and I don't have the energy to write a letter or to complain. I'm just going to enjoy my child. That's enough because you're showing up and we need those breaks, right? It's not giving up to shift gears, to self-care, to being present in what matters, to stop wasting our moments and giving them away. All the things we want from our schools, we can still make sure we do that at home. It goes back to being the change you want to see. Because you're not alone. You're not alone. You're never, ever alone. People have walked this path before you. People are walking this path behind you. And I think that I don't, in that moment when they said, I could have just walked away from even the conversation and said, you know what, I'll revisit you January 2nd when I'm done with my vacation because this is too much. And I would have put it in, I would have actually just put it in writing. And then I would have filed a complaint and said, I just received your phone call saying that you inadvertently removed all of my child's supports from his IEP. This is causing a great deal of stress on me and my family. It is something that I expect you to remedy and rectify by the time we return at the beginning of the school year after our holiday break. That is what I would have said if I, if I wasn't pulling him out of the school and if I had the knowledge that I have right now. That is what I would have said. That is what I wish I would have said every time they pummeled me. I wish I would have just said in a letter, this is inappropriate. Your actions are bullying. This is abuse of power. And I would have given them the note and filed the letter with the district. And then when I showed up the next day, I would have just stayed on my path knowing I know now I have more power and more influence in my son's life. But for some reason, their stupid grade, their stupid opinion mattered to me. And it does not. I wish... I would have had that insight, but I couldn't have that insight in that moment because it was nonstop and I had never given myself that breath. I'd never allowed myself to step away. I pushed so hard. And I think the, the want to change them, the fear that they were going to limit my child, but I just want to tell you that they can't. I have hope because we have what we had believed for and wished for for so long. And until you find it in your school, you can be it in your child's life. You'll get through. I promise you, if you just keep stepping, keep moving forward, being present in every moment, you'll come to the other side of it all. And again, go at your pace, your pace. I know you've received letters that say our schedule is overwhelmed, so we can't do this or we need to do this from the district. So take a cue from them and go at your pace. 
my schedule is overwhelmed right now. So this is what I need to do for my family. It's my holiday break. And this is what we're going to do for our family. It's your life. It's your journey, not some predetermined outcome that they have set for you and your child. Stand in your power. Ask for help when you need it. Take breaths. And if you cry, that's okay. Wipe the tears. I hope they're tears of joy. (laughs) I hope they're tears that you get from looking at your kid and thinking, oh my gosh, what a rock star. What a tremendous human that I have in my life. So our wish for you is that you have a wonderful, relaxing holiday. And that every season of your life is a season of hope. Please follow us on Twitter at If We Knew Then Pod, and you can drop us a line on our Facebook page at If We Knew Then Pod, or visit our website, ifweknewthen.com, to send us an email with questions and comments. And you can join our mailing list there and get alerts of future podcast episodes. All these links will be added to this episode's show notes. Thank you again, and we look forward to you joining us on the next episode of If We Knew Then. Come and